Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. From KQD in San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal. A residential real estate appraisal aspires to be an objective measure of a home's value. An appraiser uses the sales of comparable homes nearby to come up with an estimate for the fair market value. But within the bloodless bureaucracy and paperwork of an appraisal, there's a huge amount of wiggle room for appraisers to use their judgment. The comps they use more or less determine the value that they'll put on the property, and what's considered comparable or even in the same neighborhood is quite subjective. A new ABC7 documentary, Lowballed, argues that appraisers, 95% of whom are white, systematically undervalue the homes of black and brown people. We'll talk about the evidence and what the Biden administration is trying to do about it after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. After Paul Austin and Tanisha Tate Austin got an appraisal on the Marin City house that seemed strangely low, they took down their family photos, their art, anything that might identify them as black. Then they asked a white friend to greet a second appraiser, a sort of front. The reappraisal came in half a million dollars higher. Stories like this led ABC7 race and culture reporter Julian Glover to investigate bias in home appraisals. His investigation, drawing on data from the Brookings Institution, found widespread undervaluing of black and Latino people's homes nationwide, even after controlling for the neighborhood characteristics generally thought to determine home values. We'll be joined by Paul Austin a bit later in the show, but first, Julian Glover joins us this morning to set up his documentary, Lowballed, and the years of reporting that went into it. Thanks for joining us, Julian. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me this morning. Yeah. So set up this documentary, which kind of feels like a throwback to me to the big documentaries that the networks used to do in the 60s and the in the 70s. Did you meet an individual family like the Austins or did you decide like there's something off with the appraisal industry? I'm going to go after them. Well, first off, uh, thank you so much. Uh, I'm, I'm glad you were able to watch the documentary and, and saw the the blood, sweat and tears uh, that went into <laughs> almost two years worth of reporting. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's not something that we often get to do um, in local news, but I'm, I'm really grateful for the folks here at ABC7 News for giving me the chance, the space, the time, the resources and opportunity to tell the story. To answer your question, Alexis, it really all started uh, with the Austins in Marin City, California. I first read about their story and one of the papers in the North Bay. Um, and it was just kind of a, an offhanded mention, you know, as I'm sure we'll talk about later in the show when Paul joins us, um, they are staples 
uh, in Marin County and particularly in Marin City, Paul and Tanisha Austin. Um, and he was quoted in talking about uh, some of the things that black and brown folks are facing. And this was an article more so talking about his activism um, in the wake of the murder of George Floyd. And he mentioned that his home was appraised for way less than it should have been, that eye-popping number that we all know, half a million dollars. And so it was telling their story uh, almost two years ago now, in February of 2021. Again, the details are unbelievable. We'll talk mm -hmm. about those uh, in just a bit. And I clipped like 23 seconds of that, you know, almost five minute story, put it on Twitter and it went viral, millions mm. of views, you know, tens of thousands of retweets. And then the avalanche of people, not just here in the Bay Area, but mm. all across the country reaching out and saying, oh my goodness, I believe this has also happened to me. I believe that I've also been lowballed in a home appraisal. Mm. Yeah. And it does feel like if you dig into the history of almost any black family here in the Bay, you'll find somebody who feels like like they were lowballed. But how, how do you go about trying to put data to this to like actually put this investigation together so that these you know, all these anecdotal stories of so many families um, can can have the greatest impact in, in change the world because you're able to kind of show on a quantitative level that this sort of thing is going on? Exactly. So we have the incredible personal individual stories uh, like that of the Austins here in Marin City, like that of Ron and Dominique Curtis um, in the East Bay, you know, like that of Carlette Duffy uh, in Indianapolis, Indiana, because we did travel all across the country to be able to tell this story and put it together. But it's very easy, unfortunately, for folks to refute those stories and say, oh, that's just a one-off. You know, it, it's a shame that it happened. It shouldn't happen, but that's just one isolated incident. And, and like you mentioned, uh, teeing up the segment here, Alexis, is you know the Brookings Institute. They did this incredible story, a, a study rather, in 2018, uh, quantifying the lost equity in black and brown neighborhoods to the sum of almost $160 billion. Uh, it's just an astronomical number. Uh, but also the ABC News data journalism team, we were able to do our uh, own analysis, just looking at exactly how widespread this issue is. And what we found is that when it comes to refinancing a home mortgage, and that's something that families did a lot of in 2020 mm -hmm. and 2021, when interest rates were historically historically low. And so what we found in our data analysis, um, using data from the uh, FHFA, is that homes in predominantly black and brown neighborhoods almost five times more likely to be lowballed, appraised, undervalued than those in predominantly white neighborhoods. It also happens in new mortgage loans as well. We saw that homes in black neighborhoods are twice as likely to be a lowballed or appraised under that agreed upon amount between the buyer and seller, again, in predominantly black neighborhoods than those that are predominantly white. So what we were able to see is that these really painful personal stories, you know, like that of the Austins, are isolated. This is something that is truly systemic, and it's happening all across the Bay Area and truly all across the country. So FHFA, for those who aren't familiar, that's the Federal Home uh, Finance Agency, uh, just for those out there. Um, what's your definition of lowballing in this? Like how, like, how do you actually say, like, okay, this has been undervalued, in part because the appraisal is what's supposed to determine the value of the home, right? So it's like, how do you find that the, the, uh, some other value to compare that to? Absolutely. So uh, essentially what our data 
journalism team, fabulous folks. Um, and I will admit, <laughs> they were the ones that were able to uh, do all of the computation. And we have a full readout of how we were able to get to our findings at lowbald.abc. But essentially, they mirrored the Brookings Institute study of really isolating um, homes in Black neighborhoods and white neighborhoods where the uh, population was over 80% minority, essentially, um, versus where the population was over 80% white. And again, controlling for all of those fancy Zillow metrics of walkability, crime, et cetera, et cetera, and looking at how those homes, again, in predominantly Black neighborhoods and predominantly white neighborhoods were uh, being priced in the appraisal. Um, also, you know, really important to, to keep in mind here when we're talking about new mortgage loans, right? There is a set number, and that's the number that the, the buyer agrees mm -hmm. to pay the seller. And when it's being appraised under that amount by a certain percentage, again, all of those findings on lowball.abc, they were essentially able to calculate mm -hmm. that this home and this particular neighborhood uh, where it is predominantly minority or people of color is being appraised under value more often than it's happening in white neighborhoods. And the question becomes, why is that happening? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So why do these appraisals matter so much? I mean, for people who have purchased a home, they probably know uh, that the appraisal matters a lot. But for people who haven't, uh, talk to us a little bit about that. For sure. So I'll start with the idea um, of buying a new home, which we all know is kind of the actualization, right? Uh, the, the the tangible thing uh, that is all a part of the American dream. As we know here in America, owning your own home is truly the pathway to uh, amassing or growing any type of wealth. And when we talk about the idea of intergenerational wealth, being able to pass on a nest egg from generation to generation uh, to make things easier for the next generation. And so we know the home prices here in the Bay Area are astronomical. Let's say we're talking about um, a town home um, in Temescal, in Oakland, for example, that might be going for $800,000. And uh, so let's say, Alexis, you're selling me that home. It's it's yours. It's on a market. Um, you know, maybe there's a small bidding war and I agree to pay you $805,000. So I go to my lender, the bank that I want to take out the mortgage from because I don't have all of that cash to put down, right? Um, and pay out of pocket although we know a lot of folks here in the Bay Area do. Um, but if you're going to get it financed and say, you know, I need a loan for $750,000, let's say I, you know, was able to save up $55,000 and that's what I want to bring to the closing table. And so if the appraisal comes back below that $750,000 amount, let's say the home appraises for $715,000, then all of a sudden there's this $35,000 difference that has to be made up. And I've already told you, you know, I'm bringing $55,000 to the closing table, and that is all I have. That is every penny in the bank account that I could shake out of there. There's nothing else to, to bring forward. And, you know, essentially, if you don't have that additional $35,000, which is a large amount of money, but really, if you don't have that additional dollar to bring to the closing table, then you don't get that loan. Uh, as we know, Black and Brown families are more likely to have lower credit scores, um, have more uh, debt, especially when we think about um, student loans and things of that nature, people of color, women of color in particular, uh, more likely to carry those um, high uh, student loan debt numbers. Uh, so that really can strike you out from the ability of purchasing a home, of taking that first step into the American dream. And we know how competitive 
it can be here in the Bay Area to be able to purchase a property so folks get locked out. Uh, when we think about the other side of it, when it comes to refinancing, and again, it was such a great time to refinance in 2020, 2021. 3% uh, the, for 30 years, right? Yeah. Exactly. I mean, these are numbers that have not been seen in decades. They were truly once-in-a-lifetime, potentially once-in-a-lifetime opportunities for uh, these families to be able to cash in on. And you can do anything you want with that money. You know, Maybe you just wanted to do a straight-up refi and save hundreds, maybe even $1,000 a month on your monthly mortgage payment. Maybe you wanted to do a cash-out refi where you wanted to take out some money out of the equity that you've already built in your home to do something like starting a business or sending your kids to college or upgrade your house. Yeah, absolutely. That's what a lot of folks were doing. And that was the case for Paul and Tanisha Tate Austin. If you don't get that appraisal to go through at the number you need it to. So the loan to value ratio uh, is mm -hmm. above a certain amount, then you don't get that loan. You don't get the opportunity to refinance. You're stuck paying that higher uh, monthly interest payment, which of course means a higher mortgage payment each month. So the ripple effects can truly be uh, intergenerational uh, when we talk about you know what happens when you do or don't get the appraisal um, that you need, when you don't get the appraisal to come in um, at the number that you need, I should say. Yeah. And that's just the individual and the intergenerational effects. Of course, there's, we'll talk later uh, about the sort of neighborhood and societal effects a, a, as well of all this. We're talking about racial bias in home appraisals, uh, both here in the Bay Area and across the country. We're joined by Julian Glover, an ABC7 news anchor and race and justice reporter there uh, at the station. Also executive producer of this new documentary, Our America Lowballed. We want to hear from you. Have you experienced or do you, do you feel like you've experienced racial bias in a home appraisal? You can give us a call. The number is 866-733-6786. I've also been writing about this stuff for some time. I know some appraisers and realtors are probably going to disagree with the things that we're saying here on the show. Love to have your voice in the conversation. You can give us a call. I'm sure Julian's heard from many of you in the past. The number is 866-733-6786. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or KQED Forum. And the email is forum at kqed.org. Stay tuned for more right after the break. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall -wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall -wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall -wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking about racial bias in 
home appraisals. We're joined by Julian Glover, ABC7 News anchor and executive producer of Our America Lowballed, a new documentary out from ABC7. Also want to introduce uh, another voice. We've uh, mentioned his name already, but now he's uh, here to uh, talk about his story. Paul Austin, who's a Marin City homeowner who's featured in the Our America Lowballed documentary. Welcome, Paul. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, I'm also, you know, blessed to have my wife here for a few minutes also. Oh, um, that's great. Hey, Austin. Tanisha, hey, thank you for joining us. We appreciate that. Thank um, you. So maybe, uh, Paul, let's start with you. Um, tell us a little bit about how you grew up, like your family in Marin City. Absolutely. So um, I'm a descendant of uh, grandparents that migrated from the South to come work in the shipyards during World War II. Mm-hmm. And then um, we end up settling here. My family ended up settling here due to redlining. They wasn't able to buy land outside of Marin. And so they settled here in Marin City, which was once um, the African-American city here in Marin County. Um, and it continues to be that, even though the demographics has changed. Um, but it is a true community where most of the people know each other and, you know, you get opportunity to know your neighbors. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's been a blessing. And you were able to buy a house in Marin City, kind of close to your family there as well. Absolutely, we were. We was able to buy a home here um, in 2016. Mm-hmm. And yes, we've been here ever since. Yeah. So, Tanisha, what happened when you got this house appraised the first time? Like, did you think as the appraiser was going through the house that, that something was off? Well, that's a question for Paul. Um, I wasn't here at the time. Yeah. He he was here when the initial appraiser came. Yeah, I didn't think anything was off. Yeah, you just thought things were things were rolling on. But then you get the actual appraisal back and tell us like you'd purchase the house for how much and you'd put work into it and then what did the appraisal come in at again? Um, we purchased the house off market um, for five fifty and then we put you know hundreds of thousands of dollars into the house. We did several versions of remodeling. You know, we added an additional 1,100 square feet, gutted the kitchen, gutted the bathrooms, um, added a fireplace, uh, changed the uh, the position of the deck so the deck could be uh, on, the, on the side of the water where you can see the Richardson Bay, um, added a big um, indoor-outdoor um, door um, off of the living room so that you can have that indoor outdoor fill. fill. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of work got, got put into the house. And then um, we got the appraisal when Paul was here, the, it came in at 989000 And I knew that was too low because I had been um, paying attention to the market. Like our community is so small. I know every house that goes on sale. <laughs> I yeah. go and visit every house that goes on sale. I know how much it sells for. Um, I know, like, the the race of the owners. So I've been paying a lot of attention to the market. Yeah. So at what point did you decide, all right, we're going to try and get another appraisal, and this time we're going to just have have a white friend here. We're going to whitewash our house. Well, we were so disappointed with that initial appraisal. We we knew that something was wrong. I knew something was wrong because, uh, you know, we just knew the numbers weren't correct. Um, and so then we were just, you know, we needed, we needed to have another appraisal to, to, um, you know, appraisals are very important in the process of, um, getting a refinancing or securing a loan or selling a home. And so we needed to do something. Um, and so 
you know, based off all of the messages you get over your lifetime, you're like, I'm just going to try this to see if it works. Yeah. Um, and so I called my friend and asked her if she would um, be me. And she said, no problem. Hmm. So you did have to like do a whole bunch. You had to basically pack up yourselves and kind of spirit yourself away to the garage so that there'd be, you know, that your white friend would appear to be the, the owner of the house. I mean, yeah. how did how that feel as you were going through that process? Um, not 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 good at all. Make you feel less than less than a less than a person. Um, it's humiliating, and you know it, it caused a lot of harm um, to our to us and our our children emotionally. So you know you go through all the, the emotions, all the roller coaster emotions, but it, it was um, it was painful. It's still painful to this day as we continue to talk about it. Thanks for thanks for sharing your your story with us. It's important for people to hear. I think we um you know, we also have uh, Julia Howard Gibson here with us. Um, she is uh, an attorney, um, supervising attorney with the Fair Housing Advocates of Northern California. Um, thanks so much for joining us, Julia. Hi, happy to be here. Hey, Julia, you've been listening to this story. I mean, how often do you hear this? kind of a, of a story? Well, we've been actually getting these complaints for quite a while now. Julian put both um, Paul and Tanisha in touch with us, as well as some other clients who we are currently representing in appraisal discrimination cases. So we've been dealing with these cases for a couple of years now. And I know that they've been happening all over the country. We're also in touch with lots of advocates all over the country who are also bringing these cases. But we have... Um, a disproportionately high number of them here in the Bay Area. And that probably has a lot to do with the changing demographics in the in the area, as well as the, the high home prices as well. So you see these these huge disparities, like in uh, Paul and Tanisha's case. By the changing demographics, do you mean basically white people moving into black neighborhoods, black people moving into white neighborhoods, like just that there are it's a very diverse uh, area? Like, like, give me a little more on that. Yeah, well, I I mean, you know, th this is not my area of expertise as to the why, but I will say that I think when you have neighborhoods where you have really high soaring um, home prices and you have high levels of gentrification, so white people moving into black neighborhoods, um, you have neighborhoods that are changing in a way where maybe appraisers' expectations are uh, changing or change when they see a white person versus a black person living in a house where they previously expected something different. So that might have something to do with it. Yeah. Well, I'll say that we have, you know, we have this case in Marin City, we have Paul and Tanisha's case, and then we have quite quite a few cases in Oakland. Yeah. You know, um, Julian, it, it seems to me like the the economic logic of gentrification is pretty obvious to most people that, you know, white people move into a neighborhood that's historically been black or brown and price in that neighborhood will be expected by appraisers, at least, and, and quite a lot of other people to go up. Um, it seems to me that you're kind of like your your documentary and a lot of this research kind of shows that the reverse is still sometimes true that appraisers expect homes in black neighborhoods or owned by black people to be less valuable. 
I, I think that could certainly be one takeaway um, after watching the documentary for sure. Um, you know, borrowing one of the words of one of the um, experts featured in our America Lowball now streaming on Hulu, uh, Dr. Andre and Perry, you know, it, it almost exposes um, the intrinsic value of whiteness, right? You know, as Julia was alluding to, what happens when a white family moves into um, a predominantly, you know, black and, and Latino Latinx neighborhood? and how that has a potentially positive right effect um, on the home values um and you know what happens when um in the case of you know the austins um a particular neighborhood a particular area a city you know still maintains to be uh an enclave of black folks even though the percentage of, of black people um and just uh, BIPAC folks in general living um, in Marin City has continued to decline um, in the, gener the generations and decades since World War II, um, but it is still um, the stronghold of the Black community uh, in Marin County. Um, and look at the disparities that we see there in Marin City versus Marin County um, at large. And mm -hmm. one of the through lines that we try and make in the documentary is looking back at the you know, historic nature of many of these racist housing practices um, that were the law of the land uh, here in the U.S., uh, one of the core tenets being this idea of redlining and those redlining maps and where, you know, appraisers tend to pull cops from um, when they're appraising homes in predominantly black and brown neighborhoods and how that continues to have a detrimental effect um, on home prices um, in those neighborhoods. Yeah. Yeah, and I think historically you can go to many, many, many scholars that there are documents that essentially say, grade this property lower because there are black people in the neighborhood or even near the neighborhood. Uh, I want to bring in Dominique Curtis, who's a licensed residential appraiser and a realtor and also uh, a subject of your documentary, to talk about what about now, how this process of undervaluation might work now. Welcome to the show, Dominique. Hi, thank you for having me. So, Dominique, this is this got to be an interesting and and difficult experience because you both experienced being lowballed yourself, but you're also an appraiser. So, as you're trying to make sense of what happened in your experience, how how do you actually come up with um, an explanation for what the an appraiser did in your case? Um, I, I honestly, there's not really an explanation. It's just what it is, right? Um, it's just the simple fact is that he didn't do what he was supposed to do to give us um, a, what I would call a fair value. Um, and so being that um, I am in the appraisal industry and a real estate agent, you know, it's pretty obvious that the things that he did and the comps that he did pull were intentional. Because otherwise, me being an appraiser, I wouldn't dare even take a first or even a second look at some of the comps that he pulled. Mm. So being that I know if I were to put myself in a position where I was appraising this house, say it's not my house, right? Those comps wouldn't even be on my radar. Yeah. I mean, one of the comps, right, was like a burned down house. Correct. Yes. So we've had um, one of the house was a burned down house and another house was uh, their garage was falling apart, being held up by four by four um, wood. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And just to be clear, that was not your house. Your house was not maintained in that way. Absolutely not. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Our house was actually fully remodeled. Like we we, we did. Um, our whole kitchen was remodeled um, or updated. Um, our bathrooms are updated. Flooring. 
new paint, everything was updated. When, hi, this is Julia. When, yeah, go ahead, Julia. When we investigated um, Dominique's case, one of the things that we found was that um, some of the comps that they pulled were more than two miles away from her house. They were in, in a southwesterly direction. And they were pulled in neighborhoods that basically, like the houses themselves, actually those two comps that I'm thinking of were not dissimilar to her house in terms of the fact that they were renovated. But then when you zoom out in the neighborhood, you can tell that the neighborhoods are completely different. Um, they're completely different in density in terms of you know what the schools that you're assigned to, the use. So like Dominique's neighborhood was all sort of 1920s bungalows, very residential, cute shops, whereas these neighborhoods were right by the freeway with um, mm -hmm. big open lots with lots of dumping right by the, you know, a lot, very different neighborhoods. But what we found was what was, the only thing that we could find that was actually similar about the neighborhoods was the racial demographics. And so we mm -hmm. were making the argument that basically the only thing that the appraiser was thinking about when he pulled these comps was race because he equated these two neighborhoods and said that they were marketably similar when they really weren't apart from who lives in those neighborhoods. Mm. Well, I think any realtor would tell you that five blocks makes a big difference in the Bay Area, let alone, you know, two miles. Um, we're, we're talking about racial bias in home appraisals. We're joined by Julia Howard Gibson, a supervising attorney with the Fair Housing Advocates of Northern California, Dominique Curtis, licensed residential appraiser and realtor and a sub, one of the subjects of Julian Glover's documentary, Our America Lowballed. We're also joined by Julian Glover, who's executive producer of that documentary from ABC7. And we're also joined by Paul and Tanisha Austin, uh, Marin City homeowners featured in the documentary and whose story you might have seen went uh, extremely viral here in the Bay Area and around the, the country. We want to hear from you. Have you experienced racial bias in a home appraisal? Or maybe you're an appraiser or a realtor. What's your reaction to this conversation? We'd love to hear from you. The number is 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We're KQED Forum. And the email is forum at kqed.org. You know, Julian, you have been putting out this reporting uh, for a couple of years. It's almost like a capstone project to this like set of reporting that you've been doing uh, over time. When you've gotten pushback from the real estate industry, what are they saying? First of all, I love the analogy of this kind of being a capstone project. I'm on a, a couple of years of reporting. Um, but one of the you know things that I hear most often, one of the things that we've heard repeatedly from uh, some of the appraisers that were actually interviewed for this documentary as well, and have kind of been um, in this fight of just putting into the ether that there is discrimination in the home appraisal process is that so many folks in the industry are hesitant to admit this. Um, one thing that I often hear is I appraise homes, not people, you know, property size, location, that's what I'm appraising, um, not the individual folks that are in the homes themselves. But you know, unfortunately, the data analysis that uh, ABC News put together, also the Brookings Institute, um, and now a growing number of researchers refutes that um, idea um, that, you know, appraisers, um, and I, I do want to, you know, make this very clear, the thesis of the documentary, you know, and my personal viewpoint certainly is not that all appraisers are bad or the majority of appraisers are bad because we know that's certainly not the case with any profession, right? Um, but as we are all humans, we all do have bias, whether that's 
conscious or unconscious bias. And I think that's a conversation um, that we've been having a lot more of um, in the last five years or so. Um, but there, again, seems to be this hesitation for uh, appraisers at large, especially those that reach out to me who tweet me or email me or whatever it might be. Um, there seems to be that hesitation to admit that there is bias or there is even the potential uh, for bias in this industry, despite the personal accounts, stories, testimonies, lived experiences uh, like those that are featured in Our America Lowballed and that we're hearing from on the call today of Paul and, and Dominique of and so many other families across the country. And again, even when we have the statistical data analysis to prove um, that there is disparate treatment when it comes to uh, black and brown homeowners versus white homeowners. Um, so that's certainly the comment that I hear uh, most often. And you know, a shocking finding uh, in the documentary is just about the lack of diversity um, in the appraisal field. Um, looking at numbers from the uh, U.S. Department of, uh, or excuse me, Bureau of Labor Statistics, you know, showing that the industry uh, is upwards of 96% white, you know, 70% male. It, it truly looks like nothing uh, else um, in our country. Um, and something that one of the experts, Lisa Rice of the National Fair Housing Alliance, says in the documentary is that unfortunately these practices have essentially been passed down from generation of generation of essentially using the demographic makeup uh, of the neighborhood as the primary characteristic to drive the evaluation. So the devaluation of homes in predominantly black and brown neighborhoods or the hyper evaluation of homes in predominantly white neighborhoods. I mean, it's shocking. You go back to, you know, I'm just going to quote something from 1939, when people have started to become aware of the fact that they maybe shouldn't just say racial prejudice is good. And there's a guy named Homer Hoyt, who is really one of the architects of how uh, appraisals ended up getting done at the FHA, which ended up backing many of the suburban developments that exist around the Bay Area and around the country. And what's amazing is he actually says at like back then, he says, part of the attitude reflected in lower land values is due entirely to racial prejudice, which may have no reasonable basis. But then he says, nevertheless, if the entrance of a this is remember, this is old times, if the entrance of a colored family into a white neighborhood causes a general exodus of the white people, such dislikes are reflected in property values. And I think just to just to emphasize your point, Julian, I mean, this stuff goes right to the very origins of kind of the modern uh, home finance industry and, and real estate. And it's it's I think that's one reason why it's so, so prevalent even today. Um, we're talking about racial bias in house appraisals, joined by Julian Glover, ABC7 news anchor and executive producer of Our America Lowballed. Also joined by Paul Austin, a Marin City homeowner featured in the documentary. Julia Howard Gibson, supervising attorney with the Fair Housing Advocates of Northern California. And Dominique Curtis, a licensed real estate appraiser and a realtor. Uh, I'm Alexis Madrigal. This is Forum. Stay tuned for more. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence. 
June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking about racial bias in home appraisals with Dominique Curtis, a licensed residential appraiser, Julia Howard Gibson, supervising attorney with the Fair Housing Advocates of Northern California, Julian Glover, ABC7 News anchor and executive producer of Our America Lowballed, and Paul Austin, a Marin City homeowner who's uh, featured in that documentary. Paul, I wanted to uh, ask you, we have, uh, I'm going to read you a comment uh, first and then have you kind of fin- finish the story of your ap- appraisal. Um, Listener writes in to say, I'm quite familiar with the black lowball appraisal. Twice, a few years apart, the same lender appraised my home for refi. The first time, I was fairly certain that I was lowballed. So when I refinanced again, I removed anything and everything that would identify me as black. And yes, that includes replacing me with a white friend. If anyone tells you that black people are not getting lowballed, it is a worldwide lie. It is annoying to have to do all that to get the same treatment a white person would receive. Quite honestly, if I had more time, I probably would have had two appraisals, one black, one whitewashed, and then sued the hell out of them. So your friend, just to finish the story for people, um, stands in for you, you whitewash the house, and then the appraisal comes in uh, half a million dollars higher, right? Yes, yes. Essentially, that's what happened. Um, she, it, was a, it was a lady, so she stood in as if she was my wife. And me and my wife, uh, we removed ourselves from our home to just see what was going to happen, right? We know that white people here in America usually get the best loans and best deals. So we just wanted to just double check and just assure that our house could appraise for the proper price, um, in which it did once she stood in as if she was my wife and, you know, and me and Tanisha removed ourselves from the home and anything that will resemble that we lived here also. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what do you do? I mean, you know, that that listener had, who'd written in, you know, they're like, well, I, I'm assuming. And now, right, I believe Julia is representing you in, in some kind of case. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, you know, it wasn't until Julian came and broke the story eight months later that we found out that we actually had a recourse also hmm. uh, because we were just moving along in 2020, doing a lot of work, doing a lot of activism work mm-hmm. um, and just was like, you know, kind of somewhat relieved that we got over this hurdle mm-hmm. you know there's always been a tax for being black in america and so it was one of those things that we was not surprised about even though we was extremely hurt and offended by it and then we just kept on moving on but julian picked up the story came and did the interview with us and um, we just so glad that it empowered a lot of other people to be able to stand up and come out and express what has happened to them and what's currently happening to them in this country with their appraisal issues. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, let's bring in a caller on the phones here. Ken in uh, San Francisco, welcome. Good morning. Uh, first of all, uh, thanks for having me. Uh, I am an African-American. I've been living in the Bay Area for about 30 plus years now. I grew up in Chicago in a beautiful uh, three-story gray Victorian mansion. Uh, the buildings have been in my family for about two generations. Uh, my parents have passed. My sister and I would like to possibly sell it 
But, you know, looking at the cost of the price of similar buildings in the Bay Area compared to Western Chicago, looking at the cost of that building in a black neighborhood versus a white neighborhood, it's a, it, 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 it gets appraised for a fraction of what it's worth. And we know this is a chronic problem in the United States. There have been news articles, there have been TV shows, there have been radio shows about all this stuff. If we know it's a problem, what can we do to fix it? How can we hold the uh, people doing the appraising uh, to account? Uh, how can they be punished? Uh, the banks, the mortgage companies, how can we make them do what they're supposed to do? Do we have to have legislation put forth? in order to get some justice or and and isn't why do we have to go through that exercise for something that these industries should already be doing including the federal government and i'll take your answer off the air thanks hey ken really appreciate that and i'm going to actually run us through three different answers i mean i'm going to start with you dominique then uh to julian then i want julian i want you to talk about uh what's happening in in congress from the biden administration but uh, dominique let's start with you first what do you think your industry appraisers, the appraisal institute, all the different components that make up this kind of profession, what what needs to change? Um, I think first and foremost, we have to get the people that have been trained to appraise uh, by the old set of rules um, out, and we've got to get some, some, some new people in. And I think that uh, it, with what people fail to understand is that when you become an appraiser, you don't go to school for it and are taught by like teachers and things like that. You get taught by other appraisers that have been in the industry for years, right? Um, so um, those, those ways of appraising get passed on, down. And so I think also too, having more of us where um, uh, we understand um, about racial discrimination in the housing industry. Because like Julian said, a lot of appraisers, they're looking at it as, you know, we're not biased. We go by what we're supposed to go by. And so how can that possibly be? And I, I see that all the time myself being on these appraiser groups is they're saying, oh, this is, you know, this is bull. How can we be biased and racist when, you know, we have to do X, Y, and Z? But at the end of the day, it's not really regulated, as you can see from Paul's um, situation and our situation. You know, we've submitted a 60-page complaint, and the appraiser is like, "No, this is it. It's done." And there's nothing, and and we and we're just left with that appraisal. Mm-hmm. So I think at the end of the day, um, there has to be um, a system. And what system? That's what we're all trying to figure out, oh, right? Man. How? Because there's just you know, there's thousands of appraisers all all around the world. How can we get those appraisers to go by what they're supposed to go by? And that's on like a macro scale, you know, like we're the micro, we're coming out talking about it. But on a macro, when you're talking about dealing with billion dollar industries, right? You're talking about working with people with um, Wells Fargo, Rocket Mortgage and things like that, um, who also play a role in it because... Yeah. Um, talk talk more yeah. about that role. Talk more about that role. Right. Because ultimately the bank is kind of the customer, too. Right. I mean, for, yes. for these so, appraisals. Yeah. So the, the, the crazy part about um, my case and, and my husband's wrong is that the we sent Rocket Mortgage our 60 page complaint and they said they reviewed it with their reviewers and they had no complaints about it. they're like, oh, no, this looks fine. 
And there were so many things wrong with it. And we proved it by pictures, by pointing out certain things that he did because I'm an appraiser. Right. And, and they were like, no, there's nothing wrong with this. And we're going to move forward. And you can't get your loan. Your loan is completely denied. And they also did not give us a second appraisal. So it was up to the mm. bank to give us a second appraisal or not. And they did not. So this, we're talking on, on, a, on a macro scale. Mm -hmm. That's what we're all trying to figure out. That's why we're having these conversations that's why julian put out the documentary and he's putting light to it because how can we fight against billion dollar industry that's where our biggest issue is mm -hmm. um julia howard gibson you're you're taking it to the courts uh in in different ways but do things need to change about the law or can the existing law be used to make things more fair well, it's sort of a two twofold problem, right? On the one hand, it's systemic, like everybody is saying. There's the problem is the way the appraisal industry works. Part of the problem, at least, is that um, you know most appraisers use the sales comparison approach, which means they value a property based on recent sales in the neighborhood. So, if you have a neighborhood, if you if you're appraising a house in a black neighborhood where homes have been historically undervalued because of you know formerly legal racist housing policies, then you're just going to be recycling that discrimination. And then also what Dominique is talking about, which is appraisers are overwhelmingly white and male, and they've been trained, and many of them until the 70s were trained to actually favor um, white neighborhoods and homes owned by white people. And so, you know, explicitly. And so you have all these systemic problems. Um, but the law does say that you can't discriminate on rate on the basis of race in a real estate transaction, including appraisals. So, you know, there is some recourse in these individual cases. Um, and then also exactly what Dominique was saying is that a huge part of the problem is that the, the, the customer is the lender, right? Most of the time appraisals are being ordered through a lender because of a purchase contract or a refinance loan. And the lender has is also not allowed to make underwriting decisions based on a discriminatory appraisal. And so they, you know, our argument in the courts is that they have a legal responsibility to actually review these appraisals and make sure that they're not racially biased. And if they accept the, a racially biased appraisal as the value of the home, then they're making underwriting decisions that violates the Fair Housing Act, right? And so these are some of the arguments that we're gonna be um, bringing to court and hoping that we can make some industry-wide change on that basis. Yeah. Another listener, Richard, writes in, uh, and then we're coming to you, Julian, says, the only factors that should be considered in appraising houses should be the sale prices of comparable uh, homes and deviations from those due to differences in condition of the individual house. If someone gets a lowball appraisal, the appraiser must not have used comparable sales, which is something that could be shown to be incorrect. And I think one of the things um, that I'd love you to, to talk about, Julian, is how you how at the congressional level or, you know, at the at the federal government level, how things could work differently so that that type of assessment could be done more effectively or that it might actually have teeth or it might lead to to uh, some kind of change. There's so many ways to answer this question, um, unfortunately, but it, I think it just goes to show that this is a complicated system um, and this is a, a system that a lot of folks, you know, as you're alluding to, Alexis, play a huge role in from the appraiser, from the lender, and and so many other folks um, too. Um, I, I think there are two ways to answer this question primarily, and you know, one of them has to do with what Julia was alluding to just a few moments ago. Of you know, with the passage of the Fair Housing Act of of '68, it became explicitly illegal to discriminate on the base of race, uh, ethnicity, and 
so many other protected classes, but there was never a course correction for the harm that was done um, to these uh, predominantly um, you know, minority neighborhoods, these predominantly Black um, Latinx neighborhoods where the home values have been suppressed for generations. So we continue uh, to see, you know, essentially the upcycling of these racist housing practices. And that is one part that I believe certainly needs to be addressed. Um, the other part has to do with accountability. One thing that, uh, you know, Dominique didn't get a chance to mention, but uh, Ron and Dominique filed with the state of California um, they went th through as many of their options for recourse as possible, and the state of California cited on their behalf. They said that the appraiser fabricated data, um, didn't do the proper due diligence by not driving the neighborhoods where uh, he selected comparable properties, um, and you know, flat out just didn't do what he was supposed to do as an appraiser appraising that property. Well, what's the recourse there? A $2,000 fine and 46 hours of continuing education, but mm. before he even completes that education, he still gets to appraise homes. And if you search that appraiser's name in state and federal da databases, you don't see any citation on that appraiser's license. So, you know, what recourse really is there for a homeowner? I think that there needs to be better accountability mechanisms in play um, at the individual level, but also in, you know, kind of the macro level as well and holding lenders accountable, like Julia mentioned, who essentially co-sign these uh, bad appraisals by, you know, not giving homeowners, in many cases, uh, the recourse that they're due in the form of the reconsideration of value process or the ROV. So that is essentially when someone receives an appraisal that they have issue with, they provide um, suitable information to rebut the original appraisal, right? You know, no one is just saying that you should be able to raise your hand and say, this appraisal is bad, you know, and that should be the end of it. You know, these folks are doing a lot of homework and pulling uh, comparable homes in uh, neighboring communities to say, you know, here's why we think the appraisal is wrong. But in many cases, the lender doesn't take that reconsideration of value quest seriously. They don't send it back to the appraiser to take a second look at, and they're not given a new appraisal. And if they do, in many cases, the homeowner has to then pay for that out of pocket, which is a whole nother issue. Mm. Um, so these are things that are being looked at at the federal level uh, with the property um, evaluation um, okay, now I'm, I'm screwing up the uh, alphabet soup here, but the PAVE task force, <laughs> essentially, yeah. uh, that was created by the Biden-Harris administration um, last year to come up with solutions um, to looking at appraisal bias um, you know, at the federal level, uh, making sure that that reconsideration of value process is something that is baked into the system and that all homeowners are uh, get the right to. And also, I think something that needs to happen is you know, these cases need to be investigated much quicker at the federal level. Um, and practically all of the stories that I've reported on, the families have then gone on to file complaints with HUD. And, you know, in many cases, Alexis, it's been more than a year. It's been almost two years since I originally reported on these stories, mm -hmm. and HUD has yet to rule on these cases. So mm -hmm. the federal government needs to be better equipped with more investigators, you know, if that's what it takes, to investigate the issue more quickly. Yeah. Let's uh, try and, and squeeze in uh, Chris in uh, Brentwood. Welcome, Chris. Hi. Th thanks so much for taking my call. You know, uh, my wife and I bought our home in Brentwood about 13 years ago. And if anything, I think we've noticed an increase in diversity in our neighborhood, and we certainly welcome that. And I don't, 
I can't tell that we've really there have been any this has been going on there or that it's been had any effect on our real estate prices. But I think it should be I think it's important to note that everybody should be you know kind of outraged about this. I know that folks like the Austins bear the brunt of this, but if eventually in some at some level it affects I would think it affects real estate values for everyone if they're if it's comps because that then it's going to somehow come back on the neighborhood. And I also had a question. Um, I was wondering if the Austins had sought uh, a refund. I mean, once you can prove that the, the estimate was done in bad faith, I would hope that the, the estimator would have to pay back the cost of the estimate either to the Austins or to the bank, depending on you know how it was how the transaction was handled. Yeah, and that's. Yeah, thank thank you for uh, for that comment, Chris. Appreciate that, Chris and Brentwood. Um, Paul, I mean, yeah, you guys have tried a bunch of different things uh, as as we've been we've been hearing. Do you think there's anything that could make you feel actually whole in this case, like not just financially, but to to kind of make the social and psychological dimensions of the harm that was done feel like they you got some healing? Well, um, the biggest thing that we always wanted to make a push for when our story broke was all about seeing change at the highest level and seeing it trickle all the way down to really uh, to really change the industry, right? For for things to really turn over and um, not allow people in the industry to 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 lowball folks anymore. So it, for us, it's accountability. People being held accountable, but also we would love to see legislation being passed that will, you know, change the industry. Yeah. How about Dominique? You experienced this as well. What would anything make you feel more more whole? Um, yeah, um, I would say accountability. Um, I would like to see the appraisal profession to be more realistic about it um, because really that's where it would it would start right for them to know what it is and not um not try to put lipstick on the pig so to say you know it's just it's just more like this is what it is own it and somehow change it because at the end of the day there's too many of like julian said it's not all appraisers it's some but there's a lot of them right and so uh it's too many of them to get out of the field because i mean like julian said when it, it does come to light, nothing happens, right? So our appraiser just got hit with a little fine. That, that wasn't nothing at all. Um, and he's still able to appraise. So it's, you know, we don't have enough manpower ourselves to uh, fire them or get them out the industry. But mm-hmm. I mean, really, we would just like to see more of the profession to say, hey, yeah. this is what it is. We know it. Let's change it. And um and so accountability and then also too, I mean, on a macro level, I would like the lending profession to do more about it because yeah. in our case, we could have got another appraisal if the lending institution would have said, hey, I'll get you a second appraisal, no worries, and got somebody else out there, but they never did. So yeah. the lending they, institution is- Well, I gotta, being- I gotta cut you off, Dominique, we're about to run out of time. Thank you, Dominique Curtis, a real estate appraisal, appraiser and realtor. We've also been joined by Julia Howard Gibson, an attorney, Paul Austin, Marin City homeowner, and Julian Glover, AB7 News anchor. We've been talking about Our America Lowballed. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for another hour of Forum Ahead. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio, the Germanicos Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. 
Set ten years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country. We need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.